The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Nah, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check, the conference finals. I mean, I'm not going to lie, they underwhelm. They continue to underwhelm. As it is just one blowout after another blowout. Wild swings from game to game. So we talk about that. I explain why my Golden State Warriors takes are pretty much always misunderstood. I found a, I found a like-minded person, Brock. I'm going to point that out. Find some solace and strength to keep hating. I also get into the Timberwolves and their massive hire of uh, Tim Conley to take over the Timberwolves franchise, probably the greatest, biggest deal in NBA history for an executive. Exciting stuff. And I break down the latest on Kyrie and what that means for a possible reunion, maybe, kind of, with LeBron James. Yep, so much to cover, Brock, so go ahead and drop that. Really quick before we talk about uh, some of these series, I want to just kind of like make sure everybody's up to date on some of the things happening in the background where real basketball is also being played. So you got a few things happening. You got a little bit of news trickling out, not a ton. You got rumors around movement of players. You've got lottery, NBA draft news, and then obviously you have the games itself. And we're getting down to only a couple of different teams left, right? And pretty much Dallas, we already know, is dead. So let's talk about some news uh, just to kind of keep us current while these games are going underway. So the first moment I knew the Timberwolves were for real, that they were serious about being a real NBA franchise, was not when they sold the team to A-Rod and Mark Laurie. It was when, not when Tim Connolly came, and we'll get to that news in just a second. This happened in January. The Wolves hired a man named Marquise Watts, an executive from Clutch Sports, to be their new chief experience officer. Let's be honest. Glenn Taylor doesn't give a fuck about the athlete experience. Like, they don't care. But this guy and A-Rod and Mark Laurie do, with the task of redefining the player experience in Minnesota. That was a big shot, huge deal at Clutch, who came from Under Armour, who came from Adidas. So let me just recap really quickly what Watt said in January when he was hired just to get us to this place where, like, they weren't playing around when they said changes were coming. He said this leadership here in Minnesota is serious about building a world-class organization. There is much to untap, much to explore, culturally and experientially for our players and the community. This is just the beginning, and there is a lot to look forward to. 
So we're not going to get into how important it is to have somebody in the front office or in charge that's connected to Clutch, considering that Clutch represents pretty much all of the major players in the NBA or at least has their fingers in every deal. They're like the mob of the NBA, right? Like Ant Edwards is a Clutch client. LeBron James's best friend started Clutch. But I will remind you what I said at the time. I said this is a symbol and a sign that A-Rod and Mark Lurie are dead serious about changing the culture of this team. His job is not only to cater to existing players, but to make Minnesota a place that people actually want to go in free agency. That's a hard thing to do. A very hard thing to do, given that it's cold, it's white. I mean, and there's not a lot of culture around except for, like, fish and, like, ice and all kinds of shit. Anyway, ice fishing, exactly. They have, like, a, I think they have, like, this bungee jumping thing into the ice. I know that they, I got offered this uh, near Mall of America. They have a Mall of America. Like, how... How, like, white bread can you get, right? Like, Minnesota. We're going to fix this, though, he says. How do you do that? You roll out the red carpet for guys. You make sure the team environment's tight. You make sure you got the right people making decisions. And then you have a dump truck of cash ready to give it to as many people as you can to build that team. And then you've got big connections to sponsorship deals at the end of it. I love that. I love being right. Because that's exactly what ended up happening because the New Look Wolves signed the Nuggets' top executive, Tim Connolly. Just stole him right out from under the Nuggets. He didn't even want to leave. He was like, made me a deal. I couldn't resist. Kind of a thing. Woj reported it. This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Woj bomb. Denver Nuggets president Tim Connolly has agreed to a deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves that will make him one of the NBA's highest compensated executives. Significant coup for the Minnesota franchise. Nice editorial, Woj. Significant coup. That was his own little sentence. I'm going to add something to this. Anyway, five years, $40 million, But more importantly, because $8 million's a lot, but it's not as much as Daryl Moore he's getting. But the most important thing is he's getting equity in the team. It's the first time ever that's happened. Connolly, beloved in Denver, did not want to leave Denver. But you do not change. I don't even know how much money that's going to be worth, but I'm sure it's life-changing, legacy-altering money. And for those who don't know who Tim Connolly is and what he did, like to quote, if you're a Marvel fan, to quote and paraphrase Obadiah Stane from Iron Man, Connolly was able to build a conference finals team in a cave with a box of scrap. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps. Do it. How come we can't be a conference finals team? So what did he do? Here's a short list of some of the scraps he was able to turn into gold. Jokic at 41, second rounder. Bones Highland, 26, all-rookie team. Michael Porter Jr. at 14, max player. Uh, Jamal Murray, number seven, all-pro. Markeith Morris at 51, also Yusuf Nurkic, who's our big man in Portland. Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, all outside of the lottery. Denver desperately wanted to keep him. But they knew, we can't give this man equity. You can't find a person that says a bad word about him. He's as close to being as universally beloved in the NBA as you can get. Everybody, when you're in the league long enough, people got bad things to say about you. And he's built a 
really good team out of nothing in a market even smaller and wider than Minnesota. Perfect fit, honestly. He's like, I know. I had this blueprint. I can do this. And if you're if you're a Wolves fan, you cannot wait until Glenn Taylor is all the way out of this place. Releases his cold, bony little hands from this franchise that he's trying to like choke it out. Every little bit of power he still has left, he's trying to just finagle. And it also shows that even though A-Rod and Mark Laurie don't truly have control of the franchise yet, they're still pulling the strings. And they're still setting the pieces in place for this team to be good for a really, really long time. And now, when they really take over, sky is the limit and you know that we can't on. I wish I had that music, but we don't. Anyway, insert music. We're just going to play music just to... understanding something that we haven't understood in a long time. We never really got the full story of. Kyrie speaks. For the very first time in six years, he's ready to explain, and did explain, why the f*** did you ask out of Cleveland? Why did you demand a trade? We know you demanded it. We know you wanted to go to a contender. You said it was to be your own man, but at the time that didn't really make no sense because you were with Tatum and Brown. Like, So you're not really... And... Now that we know, truthfully, he never wanted to leave LeBron. He just wanted to leave Cleveland. Like, he just, he's like, I don't even care about Braun. Like, me and Braun were good. Like, I just didn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. This franchise sucks. They sat me down. He said on this I Am Athlete podcast, they sat me down. They told me what their plans were, how I fit into those plans. And me and Braun, truthfully, didn't really fit into their plans long term. Unless we were all willing to stay together, we didn't fit in to their long-term outlook. Basically shedding cash and starting afresh, basically Armageddoning the team. He's like, so yeah, I'm f***ing out of here. But he didn't tell Braun. And Braun thought it was about him, of course, because Braun is... Braun's sensitive. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, he's sensitive. He's like, f*** Kyrie. Like, come on, man. Like, I thought you were my little bro, dude. Like, I think Braun said that, too, publicly. I didn't just make that up. He's like, man, it's like my little brother. He didn't tell me he wanted to go. I wish I would have known. Like, I could have maybe helped him. And this is now fascinating because Kyrie's in an interesting spot. This is a very interesting time for an interview, given that you're at the end of your contract and you have a player option, and you maybe could go somewhere else. Opens up a whole new range of imaginary, imagination possibilities here. He even said on the I Am Athlete podcast, I would probably be in L.A. right now if me and LeBron would have actually hashed this out and talked. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So I want to play a clip, something even more of what he said that just made me go, I, I went, huh? What did he say? Let me just back that up and play that again. Is he saying what I think he's saying? So dangerous together. I'll probably be in LA right now. <laughs> <laughs> probably, be, probably be traveling with his backpack. No, I'm, <clears throat> no, I'm joking, man. That, that was like, that was a time in my career that I, I look back on. And, and we've had conversations, me and Bron, plenty of conversations. So y'all cool. That's my dog. Yeah. That's shout my, out Bron. Yeah. Shout out to Bron. Bron, nice. Because I, 
was in the same maturity level I am now and understanding who I am, and I look back on that time then, we definitely, definitely would have won more championships together because there would have been a better man-to-man understanding about yeah. what I'm going through. I, could, I didn't know how to share my emotions. I didn't, know how to, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know how to do that. So instead of sharing, I isolated myself. Mm. And, I, and I just started pouring myself more into the game of basketball. And I had one of my better seasons, but I wasn't connecting with everybody as much during our championship year. So in 2017, it was a different year for us. Yeah. So when we went against Golden State, we went against a great team. When you're not a great team and you're not clicking on all cylinders together, right. and together, Oh. You're easily defeatable. Mm. You're, you're defeated before you even get to the, the arena. Right. We, we were in those games against Golden State, but we, we definitely could have given them a run for their money. You brought up... Wow. We definitely would have won more championships together. Instead of sharing, I isolated myself and threw myself into my work, into the game, right? Yeah, and Kyrie had one of his best statistical seasons. He grinded it out, but he just wasn't. You know how when you are so focused on work, you make no time for anyone else. You make no time to connect. You make no time to enjoy. That was basically Kyrie. Kyrie was in a spiral of a self. He was just reconnecting with his Native American ancestry. Like, I think that's pretty true. He says that earlier on in the podcast. It's not even any shade. And he didn't really know his place in the world and how the game was a part of a larger picture that was unrelated to the game. This is all quotes from the podcast. You'll have to go back. I'm not going to play the whole thing for you. Or I'll get sued. But so that's why they said Kyrie wasn't talking to anyone in that last year. It's like... Because the man was like apparently isolating himself away from the rest of the squad. They won it, and then the next year he was like done. Notice though, he didn't say him and Braun would have won more championships together in Cleveland. He probably would have just initiated some way of going to whatever place the LeBron would have gone, which is why he said I'd probably be in LA right now. A lot of rumbling right now going on whether the Nets are going to sign him to a max contract. I mean, it was fascinating. The whole interview's fascinating. Go watch it. Also, f*** Pac-Man Jones. He sucks. Like, if you're not an NFL fan, like, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But this guy is awful on the field, off the field. Just a terrible, terrible person. Um, also, just annoying. Anyway, interesting stuff. He's on that pod. Can't, cannot wait. He's on that pod. That's not like a non sequitur. He's on the pod. It's Brandon. What's Brandon's last name again? Brent Marshall. Yeah, Brandon Marshall, Shady McCoy, and Pac-Man Jones. What a ragtag crew for a podcast. Love it. Pac-Man Jones always talking over everyone else. The king of crosstalk f***ing sucks. Like also like it's Kyrie Irving's interview. You shut up, Pac-Man, about what Kyrie Irving was looking to do. Okay? Anyway, that's a total... Total side road. Listen to the pod. The Nets are in a quandary. And Kyrie is talking about how he wishes he would have won more championships with LeBron James by being more vulnerable. This feels pretty vulnerable to me. Lakers looking to trade pieces. LeBron saying he has more. Could be an interesting thing. Or Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. It makes me wonder if there is a possibility that we could see Kyrie and Braun reunite. I would love to see it. 
And I think they would love to see it. The question is whether the franchises that are moving the pieces, whether La GM and La Kyrie can make that shit happen. I'm sure Braun remembers how good he was with Kyrie. I am sure Kyrie remembers how easy it was besides LeBron telling him he needs to play all the games, like with LeBron. I strongly believe the Lakers would die to have Kyrie Irving on this team, and I suspect Sean Marks would also be happy to let him go, all things being said. A lot of baggage there, not sure they can come back from, and I don't even think they've spoken yet about his extension. But I am very, very excited to see whether these recent comments turn into something bigger than just an interview. I get accused of many things online. And I've had a lot of introspection about why. I think they don't really get me. I think they think I'm being serious. But the biggest accusation that I get is that I hate the Warriors. Probably because I said that the Warriors weren't (laughs) I mean, (laughs) probably because I said... Steve Kerr was out there trying to load manage Steph when Steph wanted to win games. He's like playing Steph 25 minutes a game last year, being like, "What? who, who cares about winning games? Like, I don't know, Steph cares about winning games. Probably because I said James Wiseman was a terrible pick and they would never be able to build around him. Probably because I said they should trade the pick that turned into Kaminga so they can get a better piece to win now. I'm trying to help them. Probably because I said they wouldn't go 9-1 and in their first 10, which they ended up squeaking in. Squeak win to a 9-1. and Just a squeak. And in fact, because of this, I still have people right now, blue check marks with hundreds of thousands of followers, being like, hey, has anyone checked in on that Warriors media and fans are delusional lady yet? That's a real tweet. Right now. Right now, damn it. Right now, you're up 3-0. Your team's up 3-0 in the Western Conference Finals. And you're coming at me with that That bullshit. That front-running energy, what? This is why. This right here is why I want bad things for your team. Is you, Alexis Morgan, you. It's not about Alexis. It's about the whole collective of them. And I have to point something out. The truth is, I swear I've said this before, I don't hate the Warriors. I hate Warriors fans. I really like Dre. I really like Clay. I really like Steph. Pool. Love Pool. He's annoying, but I love him. Steve Kerr. Gary Payton II. Nice story. Good kid. Out of Oakland. Undrafted. Stays around. Like, amazing story. Looney. Like Looney a lot. Also, by the way, if anyone says Steph isn't annoying, like, they're lying. He's the one of the most annoying players to be against like when he does this oh you just want to go or when he does the little poop like thing that he does you're just like let me let me poop you (laughs) anyway but deep down I like them all 
I like the players a lot. There are like so many likable players on the team. But because of the fan base, because of the we are the champions, my friend, blasting out of their speakers when you're in the lottery. They have podcasts called Light Years because they believe they are light years ahead of everyone else. I want to say, sit down, be humble, sit down, fail. <laughs> just get used to failure, please. They're just so entitled. And it's like, I just desperately want you to lose because of that. All of that just makes me not say, I'm rooting for this team. I'm just like, I just want to see them sad. I just want to see them sad, and I want to see them f*** up another pick, and I want that pick to turn into a one-kneed, deer-in-headlights player, just like James Wiseman. And it's like not even all the fans. It's a minority of the fans. They're loud and they're obnoxious and they don't go away. And they come out like little, what's that, uh, groundhogs? They come out like little groundhogs when they're up 3-0 in the Western Conference Finals. Like, come at me when it's 0-0. Come at me when you're down in a game. You're a little, uh, ooh. And sometimes because of this vitriol, that lives inside of me for this fan base, I say to myself, Tristan, this is poison. You're poisoning yourself. What are you doing? Don't give this amount of energy for this fan base. What kind of, aren't you more enlightened than this? Something so stupid and petty and dumb. Like, can't you just breathe? Get on the Headspace app. Chill. There's more to life than this. And then I see the clip from the great Charles Barkley to give me the strength that is required to go to battle with these fans that I need to continue my petty tour. And I let's just play it, because it's like, okay, I'm ready now. I'm ready. I'm here. Why do you think the Mavs are the best team? I don't think they're the best team. I just cannot pick with the Warriors because I hate their fans. Their fans are obnoxious. Yeah, I, actually like, I actually like the players on the team and the coach. But I hate their fans. So you're so, just saying so, that. So, no, no, I, I, I'm pulling for the Mavs. No, but why do you think they could win them? Because I'm just going to divine intervention. Okay. <laughs> I just want to see these people suffer. <laughs> okay. I want to see these uh, losers suck. Let me, let me, I do. Let me throw some video okay. at you, Kenny. Yes. Okay. From, from game I, one. I, I, I couldn't understand. I'm just yeah. No, I, listen, I, I'm just telling you. I. Okay. I I'm pulling for the Mavs because I'm rooting against these, these Warriors fans. Let me. Because they're obnoxious me. and they're a pain in the ass. Listen, yes, come on, Chuck. That's what I'm talking about, Chuck. I needed that. I needed that, like, reality check. I needed to know it's just not me that's annoyed by these people. Like, this is a grown man, played basketball for a very long time, all-time great, and he's like, I don't even have a reason. Fuck them, really, truthfully. I'm, I don't think that they can win, but just, like, Lord, strike them down. There are others that want to see the Warriors destroyed and dismantled. If there was a way that I could see the Warriors succeed and this fan base to still feel like they failed, I would do that. The Warriors look like they're heading to the finals, and it probably is going to be a sweep, which is gross. Are you okay? You're good? Because not a Steph, not Dre, not Clay, not Poole, the biggest X factor in these playoffs, especially this round, never thought I would say it, playoff Wiggins. 
<laughs> Playoff Wiggins, one of the most inconsistent, like actually consistently awful in high pressure moments. Somehow Andrew Wiggins has arrived, arrived. It's 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 a sentence I just never even can like really. I never imagined saying it. He's averaging twenty one seven and four in this series. Twenty one seven. And four on 46% shooting and 40% from three. And, and putting clamps down on Luca. I thought he was going to be burnt chicken. And he is Ding up Luca to the best of his ability. No one can stop him. But guys, he is doing everything and offensively cooking Luca. That dunk, oh my God. Wiggins, as the primary defender on Luka, has been a part of Luka just shooting 44% from the field, committing 12 turnovers in three games, and Luka averaged 11 and 10 rebounds in the first two series. Now he's only getting eight. It's just he's wearing them down with his length and his bounce and his just, I don't even know what. And the craziest thing is the Wiggins is getting better and better and better every single game. The previous series... He was putting up 15-7-1, putting up 14-7-2 against the Nuggets. Just every series. What is he going to do in the finals? 28-9-5? Like, what the f***? And this all culminated into a disrespectful, emasculating, horrendously rude dunk on Luka Doncic. He poked him in the eye while he dunked. Who pokes someone in the eye while they dunk? Wiggins, it's a new move, never seen it, probably should have been ejected for it, but hey, it's a flagrant, in my opinion, that was a flagrant, but however, seriously, Wiggins is the reason that this offense is so hard to stop, they're just so balanced, every game in this series that they've had, they've had five guys in double figures, and in game three, they had seven guys in double figures, the Warriors somehow knew that Wiggins would be this. I don't know if that's true, but they say it is. They said, Steve Kerr said that the entire reason the Warriors were able to retool their roster and get back to dominance was all about Wiggins. He said this, I think Andrew Wiggins and that trade is the key to all of this. Our whole wing core was wiped out defensively, so the Wiggins trade allowed us to start and rebuild that wing defense. Wiggs has just been so good. He's gotten so much better over the past few years, and he's been the perfect fit next to our guys. I don't know where we'd be without him defensively. With his work against Luka and every other top wings that the Warriors will have to face, he's just been brilliant. So I think that was the move to get us back to having a playoff roster. Wow. Considering how we all collectively, don't lie, if you're listening to this right now and you're saying that you knew that Wiggins was going to be a good piece for the Warriors, just stop lying to yourself. Slap yourself. Because that's not true. I know it's not true. It's pretty telling. Let's be real. We are all undergoing a period of transformation in terms of our opinions about Andrew Wiggins. Two things. If you find... Of a Timberwolves fan that says they were unhappy with the Wiggins trade in real time, that's a lie. They were ecstatic to let him go. They thought D'Lo was going to be the next Dame Lillard. Now they're going to get rid of him. 
They gave up a pick to get rid of Wiggins. That tells you how valuable they thought Wiggins was. No one was was unhappy to see him go. And two, like most people, most media people saw this as a, not just a bad trade for the Warriors, but a catastrophic trade for the Warriors in the moment. Legitimately calling it one of the worst trades ever. And it wasn't a bad take at the time. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you my colleague in this space, Nick Wright. Wiggins is a bad basketball player. He's owed $95 million over the next three years, starting next year. It's it's unspeakable they did this. I Listen, I, people think I dislike the Warriors. I, there's things they've done that irritated me. But going into this year, I said I thought they could be the sixth seed. I thought that if Clay came back at the end of the season, they could be dangerous. And that starting next year, we'll see if they can rejuvenate the old Splash Brother 15-16 team and be dangerous. It's over for them now. We will never see Steph in another NBA Finals, ever. They, they have no path forward. <sighs> well, Nick, let me just say this. I thought the same. And, and they, maybe that's why they think they're light years ahead of us. Because <laughs> they saw something we did not see. Because when you're the fourth or fifth option and you're getting open looks... Listen, like, that's the way I guess it goes. And people hate Nick Wright because he says outlandish things, but, like, we all thought this in the moment. He just put it on wax. And I put it on wax. So, truthfully, like, back to the Wiggins trade. SB Nation, their headline for this trade, Warriors trade for Wiggins, was not about Andrew Wiggins. Really. Because uh, Steve Kerr just said it was only about Wiggins. Uh, the Athletic. Both players, D'Lo and Wiggins, are both very poor defensively. They derive any value that they have on the offensive end. And the story there has not been pretty. Holy sh! What a just an insane, like, sentence. Minnesota crushed the Warriors in the Wiggins trade. These are all, like, media sources. We got to have takes in the moment, folks. Like, we can't just say, wait and see. If we were just like, wait and see, then what would people really be coming to us for? Like, I got to see. I don't know. I don't know. Got to see. And, like, Nick Wright, right, like I said, got killed. But we can all be right in the moment and then be wrong after the fact once we've wait, waited and see. And, like, there was other people saying that the only reason they got Wiggins is so that they could trade for a bigger guy and just have that cap space taken up that you could trade for for someone like Giannis or Embiid. That ended up not being true either. Like, Warriors were like, oh, you think you think we're going to go big? You got f***ing stupid. We're going to stay small. We're doing all the same stuff we were doing. We just want a 6'6 guy with, like, a 7'2 wingspan. They can shoot threes as well. You can put up 30 on any given night. Like, you don't want that guy? Okay, we'll take that guy as our fourth option. Cool. Like, cool. And turns out, like, small ball was exactly the thing that worked. Wiggins just needed some time to, to mesh and develop with the players who have won. I can't even believe I'm saying this. He needed time to mesh. And here now he is, his entire focus, focus on the defensive side. And then if you get a bucket inside of the offensive flow, which you're going to get a lot of open looks from Steph and Clay. And Jordan, hit him. Shoot eight of them a night. We don't care. And now that's what he's doing. 40% in the playoffs so far. Wiggins chills on the wing for like, that's pretty much what he does. 
sits in the corner, back cuts, gets easy layups, dunks on people. That's a good spot for Wiggins. All of the attention is on Steph, so now, like, he gets to be guarded by, like, the third or fourth worst defender. Of course Wiggins is going to cook the third or fourth best defender on a team, and he only has to guard the third or fourth best player, too. Like, he gets to take Luka, but he doesn't need to, right? Like, you still have guys like Draymond that can do that. You got Clay a little bit. You can kind of do it by committee. I love this fit so much. So if you're someone like A.J. Griffin out of Duke, your upside now should be Wiggins. Like, and now that's a crazy thing for me to say, but I want A.J. Griffin. Frankly, I'm ready to give up and get Wiggins as a Portland Trailblazer fan. That's where we're at. Nurkic for Wiggins and a pick. Make it happen. Like, I'm ready. If A.J. Griffin turns into Wiggins in four or five years, why can't I just have Wiggins right now? Just give me Wiggins right now. Third option. Him, Anthony Simons, Dame. He can be the third option. Play defense with Nasir Little. We'll get a, maybe a center. We'll get DeAndre Ayton. I mean, that's a team. I know I'm delusional, guys. I get it. But listen, that's where I'm at right now. Wiggins has been that good. Ah, there you go. Proof. An entire segment. I don't hate the Warriors. I hate players. I just only hate the fans. I covet Andrew Wiggins now. Covet him. Like like Tyson Beckford. Just covet. Just like putting posters on my wall of Andrew Wiggins now. I like Clay. I like Looney's playing great. Steph is obviously Steph. And we'll see what happens with these Warriors. We're we're like I said, the Warriors aren't the championship team until they win the championship. So that's where we start. Oh. know what to make of it 20 point games all over the place like heat win by 20 and then the Celtics win by 120 and then the heat win by 25 and then the Celtics try to come back but they still lose it's like just uncompelling basketball here um like game three Boston came back and made it a series but let me be honest they still lost by six and the game really wasn't close all of this though brings up and gets us to a larger point Is this the worst conference finals we've ever had? Like, I can't remember being less engaged. I can't remember watching more movies when a game was on. Like, I'm like, all right, well, 30-point game. I guess I'm out. Thankfully, I have two TVs. If something happens, I can just, like, look over and be like, oh, still a 30-point game? Cool. Maybe some of the worst playoffs overall we've ever had. This stat blew me away. And this is why I believe I'm correct in this opinion. 18% of games this entire postseason have been decided by 25 or more points. The record is 23% in 2016, but remember the 2016 Warriors and like... A few remarkable moments in those games. But listen, we had the Warriors and the Cavs mowing people down. And those couple of series where it was Cleveland, Golden State, and Golden State and OKC, like that was it. That was the only good parts of that playoffs. 
And so the fact that we're getting teams blowing their opponents out by 20 and then losing the next game by 20 the next night shows that there's really no dominant team. Like There's nobody and there's no real – it's not like there's competitive parity. Otherwise, we have close games the entire time. What we have is just like sloppy play one night, locked in play the other, and it like oscillates between who won the last time because they're now more lazy. I said this on Twitter and people got very mad. I said the Warriors haven't wowed. Everyone else just looks worse. Like that's fair. The Warriors are a vulnerable squad. Like also if you get if you're getting blowed out by 25 points and you claw back and you get somewhere competitive in the fourth quarter, like most of that game was still unwatchable. Seven minutes of competitive basketball at the end of the game is not enough for me to stay locked in. I'm sorry. I love basketball, but not enough to watch, like, all this blowout time. Like, it's, not, it's called winning time, not blowout time. Take the Mavs and the Suns series. People thought that was, like, a good one because it went seven. It was, like, one of the only ones that went seven. Had only one reasonably close game, game one. And that really wasn't close because Phoenix had a 17-point lead by the third quarter, and they still won by seven. That was the closest margin of victory by either team in the entire series. The Suns won three games by an average of 19 points, while the Mavs won their four games by an average of 20. What the hell? Not compelling basketball, folks. Not fun. Fun levels. To the floor. Hate that. I would not be surprised if the if the ratings were down because like there's got to be people tuning out. If I'm tuning out, me, someone with an NBA podcast, come on now. Come on now. Danny Green says he thinks injuries are to blame partially. So far in these playoffs, I'm going to sneeze. Woo. Excuse me. Okay, there we go. So far in these playoffs, what do people on live TV do when they sneeze? How do they, I've never seen someone sneeze on live TV. They go into the Oompa Loompa machine. Like Veruca Salt. Anyway, so far in these playoffs, we've had injuries too. John Morant, Steven Adams, Gary Payton, Luka, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and I'm talking about missing games. Embiid, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Chris Middleton, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, Al Horford, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, P.J. Tucker, just an absolute hospital ward. Like, that's like a million names. All of them high profile. Where these injuries are coming out from, I don't know. I have no idea what's happening. I've even heard whispers of people playing basketball with COVID. Like, not telling anyone. Not going to call out names, but it'll come out. I'm certain. Like, this will be something that'll come out in, like, September or uh, October, and it'll be like, bloop, said uh, so-and-so was, unnamed source says, bloop, played with COVID during the first round of the Western Conference, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, like, here we go. I think you could say maybe it's coaching. Like, oh, these coaching battles have just been so elite. Like, the... The adjustments have just been so good that the mismatches have been amazing. It's like, I don't think so. I, I think these people have been lazy. They come out like they're sleepwalking for a quarter. You can't roll out Daniel Tice, personally. He got cooked to the tune of like, 
He was a negative, he played 11 minutes, and I think he was like a negative 40 in game three or four when the Heat won by a million. Like Dwayne Dedman played three minutes, he was like a negative 12. Three minutes! I think he, I think he fouled three consecutive players, they all hit free throws in those three minutes. So, personally, I think the Heat, ma- Heat Celtics go seven. Feels like this is going to be an oscillating thing. I have no idea who's going to win. I hope the Heat win. I just want whoever to win that has the best chance of beating the Warriors, truthfully. Like, that's just really where I'm at. I don't care. I have money on both those teams. Like, all good. I don't want the Warriors to win. That would be the ultimate pain. I have no money on them, obviously, because that would be really some shady shit to bet on them when I hate them. And, um, like, I just really want them to be sad. So, whoever, I don't care. And then it feels like the the Mavs are gone. Like, it feels like they are... I think their soul was stolen. Collective souls stolen out their body in game two when they were up over 20, I think 20-something points, and Warriors came back and won that game by nine. That'll do it, right? That'll do it. Uh, So the impressive thing, though, that Golden State did in that game really quickly, as an aside, is that they didn't come back with a barrage of Steph threes. They didn't come back with Clay or Poole, all these deep 30-footers. They they took their, like a snake, wraps itself around your neck and chokes you out. It was a stranglehold on Dallas. Like, I think they scored six points in a quarter, like something crazy. Maybe 12 points in a quarter. They went on like a, it was like a 28-0 run or something nuts. I forget what it was exactly because I didn't prepare for that. But, man, points came hard for Dallas. And even though Golden State wasn't scoring a lot, they were getting into the paint. They were making good things happen, forcing Dallas to turn the ball over. And honestly, it's just become night-night sleep mask. And truthfully, like, let's be honest, Luca needs help. Yeah. Luca needs help in the form of a treadmill. In the form of a treadmill. You know, I'm just joking. He does need to get in better shape, but he does need some guys who don't go 0 for 5 from the three-point line. Like, we can't have Bertans out there. I love Reggie Bullock, but he's just been awful. Hat home, on the road, doesn't matter. Jalen Brunson's been really good except for this series. I don't even know who he can turn to. Truthfully, Spencer Dinwiddie, I guess. It's where Dirk's up in the stands being like, God damn it, do I need to suit up? Just like, it's bad. Get Lucas some help. And get Luca in shape, and maybe they'll have a chance to go to the finals next year. Good stuff for Luca. But that's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We will be back Friday with a new episode. Follow us, please. Pretty please, as things heat up. If they get hot, things stay cool. We got lottery talk coming up, too. Fun. Super fun. I'm deep, 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 deep in that. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Follow us on social at This Heat Check and Trista Crick on TikTok and Twitter. Let's continue.